God has revealed to us in this book. In chapter 1, you have where Israel was chosen and commissioned and failed. In chapter 2, you have Israel among the nations of the earth, buried. And as Ezekiel 37 so clearly declares, when he speaks of the valley of dry bones, this is the nation Israel. And in chapter 3, Israel is going to be recommissioned, resurrected from among the nations, and become God's witnesses to the nations of the earth concerning the wonders of our God. We were sticking up in our last lesson the prophetic side of it concerning our Lord. Well, you remember our Lord said that as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It's a sign concerning his person. Now we come to the third thing concerning our Savior in this book. Remember, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And just as Jonah was brought out of the fish, when he said, Salvation is of the Lord, you have him going now as a resurrected man with a message to the great city of Nineveh. But we read in chapter 3, The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, Go to Nineveh and do the preaching that I bid thee. So he rose up. And Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites. Jonah, raised from the dead, becomes the messenger of life, of deliverance. It's a risen Christ for Gentiles. Our name, the unchanging word, reflects the fact that the eternal word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. In our study in the book of Jonah, Dr. Mitchell looks at the resurrection as it applies to both the nation of Israel and the person of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we find in this last verse of Jonah chapter 2 that Jonah is delivered out of the mouth of the great fish up onto the dry land, resurrection. Now, in Jonah chapter 3, Jonah is recommissioned to preach God's word to Nineveh once again. And likewise in this chapter, Dr. Mitchell directs our hearts to the risen Christ who is the message for Gentiles today. He states, Life, power, and deliverance from the judgment of God is through the risen Christ, his physical resurrection. Now, can you and I say that the Lord Jesus is the focus of our faith? Let's turn to Jonah chapter 3 here with Dr. Mitchell as he shares the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Thank you. Good day, friends. We again come to you with our studies in the little prophet Jonah. Uh, we have been following through some very wonderful things in this little book of how Jonah uh, was commissioned by God. In fact, he's the only Jewish prophet who was sent to prophesy to the Gentiles. It's true that Daniel prophesied, but he was not sent from Israel to prophesy to Gentiles. He did that while he was in Babylon as a prisoner, as a, as a slave. But when we come to this man, Jonah, the only prophet from Galilee who was sent out, you remember that he ran away from his job and the Lord had to deal with his servant. And you have the experience of being cast into the sea, of being in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, and then 
The Lord delivered him from the fish, and again he was recommissioned. And out of this we found that God has revealed to us in this book, in fact, one of the great lessons is that what Jonah was to the people of Nineveh, the nation Israel was to have been to the nations of the earth. Israel was commissioned. It was chosen by God and separated from the nations for a purpose. That purpose was that they might bring to the nations of the earth the knowledge of the living God. So in chapter 1, you have where Israel was chosen and commissioned and failed. In chapter 2, you have Israel uh, among the nations of the earth, buried. And as Ezekiel 37 so clearly declares, when he speaks of the valley of dry bones, this is the nation Israel. And in chapter 3, Israel is going to be recommissioned, resurrected from among the nations, and become God's witnesses to the nations of the earth concerning the wonders of our God. That's why when you come to Zechariah chapter 8, the Gentiles are going to lay hold of the Jew and say, we're going to go with you, for God is with you. Or Isaiah 43, they're going to be God's witnesses to the nations of the earth. Now, we were sticking up in our last lesson the prophetic side of it concerning our Lord. For you remember our Lord said that as Jonah was three days and three nights in the heart of the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. It's a sign concerning his person. In fact, when you come to John chapter 2, uh, when the Lord, with a, with a whip, you remember, scourged the people and drove them out of the temple, they said, where do you get your authority? What sign can you give to us? Why you can do a thing like this? And he said, very simply, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. This he said concerning his body. Why, they said, 46 years it took to build this temple, and you'll destroy it and build it up in three days. This he spake concerning his body. Now, we were taking that up in chapter 1. The death of the Jew brought salvation to the Gentiles. And then he's the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Then when you come to chapter 2, it's a picture again of our Lord in the grave. I'm not going to go all over it again except to point out the fact that in Jonah chapter 2, you have one of the most outstanding pictures in the Bible of what our Lord went through in his burial. Now we come to the third thing concerning our Savior in this book. Remember, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And just as Jonah was brought out of the fish, when he said, Salvation is of the Lord, you have him going now as a resurrected man with a message to the great city of Nineveh. What well, we read in chapter 3, the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, and go to Nineveh and do the preaching that I bid thee. So he rose up. And Jonah was assigned to the Ninevites. If I understand it correctly, the Ninevites, one of their great gods, was the fish god. Here's a man who had been three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, and he goes over to Nineveh and he preaches. Should I put it this way? Jonah, raised from the dead, becomes the messenger of life, of deliverance to these terrible people of Nineveh. May I say, my friend, this is true for us. It's a risen Christ for Gentiles. Before the cross, and allow me to say what I said the other day, before our Lord went to the cross, 
his ministry was entirely to the people of Israel. He was sent to confirm the promises made to the fathers. He could say himself, I am sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When he sent his disciples out, he said, Do not go to the Samaritans and into a Gentile city. Don't enter. Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Even even the night before he was crucified, certain Gentiles wanted to see Jesus. I'm quoting from John chapter 12. And Jesus didn't say, Wonderful, I'll be glad to see these Gentiles. No. He said, Now is mine hour come. Then he goes to speak. He prophesies his death. Except a corn of wheat fall onto the ground and die, it abides alone. If it die, it brings forth much fruit. Promise of resurrection. I mentioned that. Now we come prophetically to our Lord in the third chapter. When I say it's as a risen Christ, as the risen Christ, he's the message for Gentiles. The life, power, and deliverance from the judgment of God is through a risen Christ. This was the message of the early church. If you read the book of Acts, you will notice that nearly 30 times these disciples speak of the fact that salvation was through a risen Christ. In fact, the death of Christ has very little value for us apart from the resurrection. Unless I be misunderstood, when I speak of the resurrection of Christ, I'm speaking of the physical resurrection of Christ. There's no such thing in the Bible as a spiritual resurrection. It's physical. What died, the body died. What is raised, the body. What was put in the tomb, the body. And there's no question when you read the book of Acts that these disciples knew they had met the risen Savior. They saw him going to heaven in a cloud. Unlimited, yes. Unlimited body, yes. But nevertheless, a body just the same. As our Lord could say, a spirit hath not flesh and bone as ye see me have. Now, it's this risen Christ. You take, for example, Acts chapter 2. When the apostle Peter gave the first message on the day of Pentecost, he said, this Jesus whom you took by wicked hands and crucified, had God raised up. In fact, God has exalted him to be Lord and Christ. What's the message? A living, exalted, glorified Savior. You take in chapter 4, after the first opposition to the gospel, I read with great power, give the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You dig when Peter went down to the house of Cornelius. He spoke of the death of Christ and said, We are witnesses of these things. But God raised him from the dead, and we saw him, we met him, we talked with him, we felt him, we handled him. And by faith in this man, this risen Son of God, you have the remission of sins. When Paul went down to philosophical Athens, for example, what do you think he's going to preach to these uh, Athenians, these philosophers, these Stoics, these Epicureans, these, uh, these who followed the Platonic philosophy or the Epicurean philosophy or the Socratic philosophy and so on. These great uh, uh, scholars of the day. What did he preach? Jesus 
and the resurrection. You remember what they said? Let's hear what this babbler has to say. He brings certain strange things to our ears. Why? Because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. So when they brought him to Mars Hill, the apostle Paul stood up and preached, first of all, the God of creation. Then he declared that they should have known him. They should have known the God of creation. Don't you think for one moment, he said, that the living God who created all things is made like unto an image of stone, silver, gold, graven by man's device? But the times of this ignorance God winked at. But now, notice, God commands all men everywhere to repent. Why? Why do you think? Because he has set apart a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. You ever think of it? When Paul was taken captive, for example, you go down to the 22nd, 23rd chapters of the, uh, of the book of Acts, Paul is brought before the Sanhedrin in chapter 23. And when he saw that some were Pharisees and some were Sadducees, he said, Brethren, it's because of the hope of Israel. Am I called in question? What was the hope of Israel? A risen Christ coming to set up his kingdom. Remember, it caused a division among them. When you come to chapter 24, and Paul stood before Felix, the great Roman governor, down there in Caesarea. What was his message? The risen Savior. When you come to chapter 25, and he talks about the resurrection of Christ, what does Festus say when he tells Agrippa, why, this man's mad. He affirms that this Jesus, whom Pilate nailed to a cross, is raised from the dead. Why, the man is mad to believe such a thing as that. But when you come to chapter 26, and Paul stands before this great King Agrippa, who was well-versed in Jewish culture as well as Greek culture, he said, I'm so happy to stand before you, Agrippa, because you're well-versed in the things of our people. Think you it's an incredible thing that God should raise the dead? Why, this is the hope we have. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. And when Paul starts to write the, the epistles, what he based the gospel upon? The resurrection of Christ. You take Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Our Lord was a real man, uh, the seed of David. He was a real man in the human family. But verse 4 tells us that he was marked out from everybody else by the resurrection from the dead. The very basis of our Christian faith is based on a risen, glorified, exalted Savior. That's why when you come to the book of Hebrews, the first chapter, the third verse, when Jesus had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Chapter 10, verse 12, This man, by one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Hebrews 12, 2, Who for the joy that was set before him, he, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God. You think it's a spirit? By no means. 
My friend, one of the most marvelous things in all God's universe, there's a real man at God's right hand, and he's been exalted to be a prince and a savior. And just as Jonah here in the third chapter, a picture of one raised from the dead, brought from the depths, He brought a message of power, of deliverance to the people of Nineveh. I want to tell you, my friend, today, you and I have a real message to bring to the world, not so much a dead Christ, but a living Christ. In certain parts of the world, there are those who believe that Christ lived and that Christ died. You can't question that. The Romans made sure of his death. There's been no question about his death. Read Josephus, uh, read Celsus, the Roman historian. Uh, there's no question that Jesus died. They made sure of that when the Roman soldier took his spear and pierced the side of our Lord to be sure he was dead. They broke the bones of the others, but not Jesus. He was dead, and he was buried, and you can't fool People like uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea when they took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in, in spices and wrapped it in linen cloths and put it in a sepulcher and sealed the door. You think these men were fooled? He really died. In fact, the Bible is full of it. He died for your sin and my sin but he was raised again from the dead. And it's this risen, glorified Savior that is the message of God to men through his people. Notice, even though, even though this man Jonah had run away from his job and now delivered from the face, God doesn't change his messenger. I want to tell you that Jonah preached a message of judgment. We preach a message of life because the one who died for us was raised again from the dead. Oh, listen, friend, I'm just as sure of the salvation we have in Christ as I am that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I'm just as sure that I will never again see my sins as I am that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. I'm just as sure of eternal life. I'm just as sure of the resurrection of the body, the transformation of the body, the glorification of the body as I am that Jesus Christ himself was raised from the dead. If Christ be not raised from the dead, said Paul in Corinthians 15, we are yet in our sins. We have no hope. We have nothing. I hope I've made myself very, very clear to you. It may be I'm talking to some of you Christians today, and yet you get very, you get very fearful. Uh, sometimes you wonder if you're really saved or not. You're afraid to come in the presence of God lest you be faced with your sin. May I say to you very kindly, and I would say it with the compassion of Christ, Jesus Christ bore all your sin in his own body on the cross. If he bore one of your sins, he bore all of them. If he put any away, he put all of them away. And remember, all your sins were yet future when Christ died. But, but, he was raised again from the dead. 
As Romans chapter 425 says, he was delivered up because of our offenses and he was raised again because of our justification. The guarantee that your sins are gone, the guarantee that you stand before God in all the righteousness of Christ is the fact that God raised him from the dead. God is perfectly satisfied with the work of his son. Are you? Are you? May I say what I've oftentimes said on this radio? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is God's personal proof to you that this Jesus is his son and that this work which he accomplished on the cross and putting away your sins is absolutely real and true and God has accepted it. And he did it by raising his son from the dead. May I say also by the same token, if the, if the resurrection of Christ is the guarantee of salvation to those of us who've received a Savior, remember, remember, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the guarantee of judgment to those who reject him. You take these people of Nineveh. They believed God. They believed the message that the prophet brought to them. But if they had not believed the message, then Nineveh would have been destroyed. The word of God would have been completed. The whole world is under the, judging, the judgment of God. The world is already under the wrath of God as far as the pronouncement is concerned. The actual experience is not yet and can't be until the church is gone. God is still in grace saving men and women. And if I'm talking to you, my friend, today, right where you are, in your home, in your car, wherever you are, if you've never received Jesus Christ into your own life and heart as your Savior, if you haven't put your trust in him, I would plead with you to put your trust in him. For we offer you not only one who died for your sin, but one who was raised again from the dead as the guarantee of that salvation which he offers to you freely. The wages of sin is death. Remember that. Sin pays wages. God executes the penalty. But you can be the recipient of eternal life, the recipient of an eternal forgiveness if you receive this blessed, risen, glorious Son of God. You can pass from death to life by just receiving him. So as we see these three chapters, in chapter 1, prophesying the death of our Savior for Gentiles. Chapter 2, the burial and guarantee of resurrection in chapter 2 of our Lord. Chapter 3, a risen Christ for the Gentile world. And our Lord speaks of this, of course, in John chapter 12. I'll leave that with you today. If you're a Christian, why not revel in the glorious fact that you have with you one who has burst the bands of the tomb, one who has put away your sin, and one who never leaves you nor forsakes you. If you've never accepted the Savior, may I plead with your heart to take Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. And why don't you do it now? And drop me a line, let me know about it. And the Lord bless you. Glory
a place of beauty, there all my trials shall see. Sing me a song of heaven, beautiful Eden land. Dear ones are waiting for me, there on that golden strand. Land where no tears are flowing, land where no sorrows come. Sing me a song of that beautiful land, my home, sweet home. Sing me a song of heaven, where I, my loved one, shall see those who have gone before me over the bright crystal sea. Sing me a song of heaven, beautiful Eden land. Dear ones are waiting for me there on that golden strand, land where no tears are flowing, land where no sorrows come. Sing me a song of that beautiful land, my home, sweet home. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.